लो क्वालिटी कॉन्वर्सेशन अबाउट योर क्वालिटी ऑफ लाइफ द टोक शॉप विदी मोलेओ एस एफ एम साउथ अफ्रीका न्यूज एंड इन्फॉर्मेशन लीडर It's five minutes after eight. The second hour of the talk shop. In a moment, I'll speak to Mia von Shaw about teaching kids to mind their manners. We're still wrapping up our discussion with Nazir Hussain, who is executive head of short-term insurance at PPS. We're debunking the myths of home contents insurance. And there was a, a question, well, a few questions, in fact, that came in from Kalala saying, you know, why didn't he? Why, why wasn't he uh, paid out when his daughter knocked over the TV? So. Um, I think it's a question about what is covered, and this goes back to my earlier question: what what does get covered and what doesn't. Um, and then, when there is an evaluation and you are signing up for, for 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 a policy, what should in fact be done? Now he's concerned that his new service provider hasn't, you know, come to look at some of the appliances in the home, and that you know only the cell the cell phone's serial number was taken. So, what is it that should happen at the, at the beginning? All right. Okay. So let's let's uh, try and address uh, those, those two questions uh, as as they came in. Mm. So uh, let's start with the, with the with the question about uh, the insurer coming in to to look at all these appliances. The insurer is not going to do that, the lady. Uh, you know, the, the cost factor involved in in doing that for every single policy is is way too much. So the insurer says that there are certain things in your home that are immovable. So if they Come and do an assessment at claim stage, and so you've got a home that's got all appliances in there. You've got a you've got a fridge and you've got a uh, a microwave, etc. They can assume that you 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 had a stove as well that might have been stolen. Uh, but if they walk into your home and they find that you've got nothing in your kitchen, but you say your stove was stolen, they're going to then question that mm. uh, because it doesn't seem likely that there was one. So they'll, they'll use a bit of reasonability test in, in, in doing that. And that is why they probably requested serial numbers of certain items. Uh, now, generally what happens is on the asset or risk that I was talking about, where they will want that. Now, it's all about a, a matter of cost as well. Some insurers will cover all of that up to a certain value without you having to give them any proof. Mm. Uh, but there is a cost involved. Because you can just imagine if, if they give you that type of insurance and someone decides, oh, well, you know, uh, I need a new cell phone, but let me just try and pay for my insurance. Although I didn't use one, I'll claim and, and they'll just give me a new one. So we've got to avoid that type of uh, fraud taking place as well. Mm. Uh, so as a result, they charge you a bit more because they know they're going to get some degree of that. The other way of doing it where you're going to get insurance that's cost-effective is that all of those small items, and they will generally tell you which type of items. It's generally jewelry, watches, cellular phones, mobile devices that they will ask you to give them either the serial numbers or copies of valuations or invoices to show that you own those items um, and up to that value. And once you provide that list to them, then it's in their records. And if any of that uh, gets damaged or, or, or lost or stolen, then you are covered. Mm. Uh, but the accidental damage to the TV, now, again, you, you've got to make sure that that is covered in the policy. Uh, you know, some policies will, uh, as I said, will exclude it because it's not a peril. You know, it was it was it was accidentally damaged. It, it wasn't as a result of something out of your control. Uh, but some policies will cover that, some won't cover it. So you can make sure that you get the proper advice from your broker. So you can also tell your broker these are the type of things that I want to cover against. Uh, you know, uh, these are the type of incidents that uh, that you got to make sure that that you cover me for. Mm. And the broker is there got an obligation to do so. And remember, if you, in a conversation and in disclosure with the broker, tell him that this is what you want, 
And he responds back saying, well, here's your policy with what you want in it. And the insurance company doesn't pay out. Your broker is liable for giving you incorrect advice. And there are lots of recourse for consumers mm. uh, in terms of, of legislation where the, where the advice given by a broker is, 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 his, is his bond, basically. And, he, and he's held to it. So, you, again, insurance is, is very varied. And uh, when we start being very cost-conscious, uh, and we, we, we start looking for the most cheapest type of cover. The cheapest cover you're gonna, you're gonna find won't have all of those little benefits that, uh, that you're looking for peace of mind on. Ah. Ah. Cheap isn't always better. Jeremy's on the line in Parktown. Jeremy, good evening. Hello, Ms. Bunoy. How are you today? I'm well. Yourself? Very well, thank you, dear. I just wanted to say that any items such as jewelry, and cell phones, as the man said, have them valued, have a valuation certificate, and if it's jewelry with a fluctuation of gold and everything else, make sure they're done every other year because of the fluctuation of prices. Mm. This is very essential and have them insured under your oldest section of the policy. Then they're covered anywhere in the world, let alone your house. Wow. Smart advice. Thanks Thanks for that, Jeremy. Uh, okay. Bye. Great stuff. You, you agree with that, Nazir? Absolutely. Jeremy's, Jeremy's astute. You can see he's been through this before. Yeah. So, uh, so you've got to do that. You've got to, and you've got to revalue on a regular basis because prices move all the time. Yeah. Uh, and we know that. We, we, we've seen how the, the cost of items have, have gone up across, have gone up for consumers. So you've got to revalue it on a regular basis. And I agree with him, not necessarily every year, but at least every, every couple of years. Make sure you are on top of it. You know what your valuation is. And just on your general home contents as well. You know, we end up during the course of, of a year after you've taken out insurance, we go and spend a lot of money on things that we, we purchase for ourselves in our mm. homes. And you should, at every anniversary of your policy, do, a, do an assessment yourself and say, what is new in my home? What have I bought for this year that I need to now consider that I want to have cover for? Uh, and, and then inform your, your, your broker insurer. Subsequently. Okay. Uh, then that's what you need to do. And Nazir, PPS can help us with, with a few products, right? Uh, yes, absolutely. Okay, great stuff. So get in touch with PPS. Nazir, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure chatting. Thank you, Nalini. Great stuff. Nazir Hussain, Executive Head of Short-Term Insurance at PPS. It's the talk shop on SFM. I'm Naledi Moleo. 105.2, the home of SAFM in East London. East London. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Agriculture, growing crops and raising livestock for human consumption and use. That is our focus on planting the seeds, SAFM's insert on the world of farming. Tune in weekdays at 5 a.m. with me, Asanda Matsaunyane, as we talk agribusiness, agricultural engineering, agroecology, and much more. Planting the seeds on South Africa's news and information leader, SAFM. Every word in our constitution signifies a victory against inequality. Against inequality. So never underestimate the power of those words. Instead, choose to understand them. Section 11 of the Bill of Rights states that everyone has inherent dignity and the right to have their dignity respected and protected. protected. SAFM. Seize your power. Know your rights. This is a message from South Africa's news and information leader. You're tuned to SAFM 104 to 107. You can also catch us on the DSTV audio bouquet on channel 814 as well as online 
at safm.co.za Chat, converse, rant, rave, whatever you call it, do it on the talk shop, only on SAFM. You're still on the talk shop on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader, Amna Lady Mulo, in studio now with Mia Von Shah, who's a transformational parenting coach, and uh, we're talking uh, teaching kids to mind their manners. Mia, welcome back. Thank you, Naledi. It's good to have you with us again. This is an important one. Yes. Why is it that we have to have this discussion? I really feel that we should because it... It's just one of those things that parents think, hmm, we don't really need to. We can let that slide. That, thank you. Come on, you can let it slide. I would think the opposite. <laughs> so many parents are actually pushing the manners on their children mm. and, and really getting in there and getting quite aggressive about it. So I think you have the two extremes. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what we really need to look at is that, that manners are really about respect. Yeah. They're about respecting yourself as well as the other people in your world and mm. in your space. Mm. Um, and, you know, when I look at manners, it's, it's such a varying topic because, especially in a place like South Africa, we have different cultures. Yes. And different cultures have different ideas around what is polite and what is not polite. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you may have one culture where you really have to make eye contact and that yeah. is the polite thing to do. And with somebody else, you know, if you do that, that's actually quite that's rude. That's disrespectful. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so I think in South Africa, more than anywhere else, we really need to be having this conversation with our children and actually extending that conversation to, you know, what is polite in our household mm. and also what is polite in the greater society and in different cultures. And if we're traveling, you know, what's polite if we're in a different country? Yeah. Yeah, that's important. But it's 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 not just about um, you know how they interact with the rest of the world, but it's also about the kind of adult that you that, that this child is going to be in the future. And yes. we all know how. I mean, it's and it's not even like a slight irritation. It's it's where you're you're boiling because you're dealing with someone that is completely disrespectful and, and impolite. Yes. Well, it even goes beyond that. I mean, yeah. it goes to issues of personal safety because mm-hmm. you know a little child is taught. Um, if they ask for another cookie and the hostess says no, mm. then you must respect that no. And that is part of manners, mm. it's being polite. It's saying, okay, they have their reasons for that. And later on, that becomes a conversation of, you know, um, can I jump into bed with you? And that no also ah. has to be respected. Ah, ah. There you go. Very important. So, listen, if you have questions about this, give me a call, 0891-104-207. Now, I think we need to make the link between good manners and good habits and and where the link is. We say, oh, no, but good manners are good habits. And if you start them early, then they go into into the adult with it and it becomes a good habit. That's what they become. Well, it should do. I mean, a lot of what we do as adults is based on our conditioning that we get in those first seven years of life. Mm. So if um, if you have learned good manners in your first seven years of life, the chances are you will continue with that. And most of that has to do actually not with any education we give our children, but in how we behave ourselves. Yeah. So if the parents are behaving politely and the the place where this goes wrong is that parents behave very politely with other adults mm. but then when it comes to the children they disrespect the child mm. and then expect the child to learn proper manners 
when they're not treating them with the same measure of respect they would treat another adult. So what does the child learn then? They learn what pertains to them. Yeah. So, um, again, bringing it back to, like, body issues, you know, that can be, you say to your child, can I wash your bum? You know, and they say no. You need to respect that no. Yes. And there, as adults, we often override it. And then we are teaching those same behaviors to the child later on. If you override them, they will learn to override other people. Mm. Mm. Okay, well, listen, we have a little clip that we need to play. Um, and this is on the same discussion. If you want to call in as well, if you have questions, maybe you, you're dealing with a child that isn't quite picking up these lessons that you're trying to, to pass on to them. Um, and Mia can give us some advice, all right? 0891 Have a listen to this. When your kids still live at home, did you discipline them? Not much. Why not? I left that up to the wife. So, what kind of discipline did she use? Um, well, she uh, she believes pretty much in strict Christian discipline. So, it's uh, pretty much around what the church teaches. And so, discipline was very much around those kind of things. So, what exactly did she do? Well, she gave them good lectures, you know, when they were going out when they were at that age of, you know, teenagers and things like that, you know, the lecture included all the don'ts. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. so Did she give them any spanks? No, no, we never beat our children. Uh, you know, we didn't believe in corporal punishment at all. But there's one famous occasion when our daughter was grounded uh, for a couple of weeks because she came about five minutes late after a date. My kids were disciplined by myself mother mm-hmm. and the father mm-hmm. and if we if they wanted to go out they had to get permission from both the parents and how did you discipline them? well we spoke to them a lot you know um, teaching them the right from wrong mm-hmm. actually showing them also right from wrong um, curfew times you know put on curfews on them if they were disobedient but I didn't really have a problem because we grew up in a very strict environment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where everybody would come and visit and elderly persons should be um, respected. Um, they would be called auntie or uncle, you know, not by names or he or she. It had to be, they had to call them auntie or uncle. Did you spank them? I didn't really spank them. You know, we used to... We used to Give them more of a of a disciplinary sit in the corner or or you can't have this or you can't have that. Do you discipline your kids? Well, you have to. They don't discipline themselves. Give a kid enough freedom, he'll do the wrong thing every time. So how do you discipline your children? First, your words need to be in his head so that when he's doing something wrong, he thinks, okay, daddy said that's not right. So they ask, you put the voice of reason inside your child. Obviously, when he does the wrong thing, he needs to feel a bit, hey, that was wrong and it felt wrong now. How? A little bit of hiding on his bum. And how are they turning out with that form of discipline? Does it work? So far. Kids are doing well at school. They're respectful. They greet adults. They, you know, they share. Spoiled kids don't share, they don't think that anyone deserves to be greeted or respect to be shown. They don't, they don't feel like that. It's interesting, the different uh, parenting styles. Thanks to Lingyi Wamutahung for putting that little piece together. It's just, um, 
people on the streets, they're just sharing <laughs> their parenting styles with us. There's a mom who said, no, 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 we didn't, we didn't, we didn't, we never ever spanked our kids. We just told them to go stand in the corner. And you have someone else, you must beat them, they must know. <laughs> which, which is it that really works, especially when we talk teaching kids manners, good manners? You can give me a call, 0891-104-207, still in conversation with transformational parenting coach Mia Von Shah. 107.1, the home of SAFM in Seapoint. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. It is two years since the amended Employment Equity Act and its regulations came into operation to allow all designated employers to submit their EE reports every year. Remember, both manual and online submissions of EE reports opened on 1 September 2016, but manual submission closes on 3 October 2016. Online reporting will still be open until 15 January 2017. Movies are the message this weekend on SABC3. Keith Ledger is a man on a mission in a night's tale. And as an American girl, Krissa stands strong against bullying. Mel Gibson confronts the horrors of Vietnam in We Were Soldiers. And a confused college student confronts the reality of 9-11 in Muslim. Movies all the way, Saturday at 7 and 9 p.m. and Sunday at 2.30 and 7 p.m. Only on SABC3. How you cool down this summer is up to you. We're here to keep things heated. SAFM, keeping the temperature soaring all summer. Quality conversations about your quality of life. The Talk Shop with Naledi Moleo. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. It is the talk shop, and I'm joined still in studio by Mia Von Schart, transformational parenting coach, talking about teaching our kids good manners. We heard a few different parenting styles before before the break. Uh, taking your calls on 0891-104207. Sharma is on the line in Durban. Sharma, good evening. Ah, Sharma's gone. All right, Sharma, try and call us back. I don't know what happened to your line. So, important things to remember. You see, you've got parents that say, oh, no, 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 no corporal punishment. Another parent is another. That's how you teach them good manners. You teach yes. them <laughs> bad manners doesn't pay. It gets you a hiding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the trouble with that way of thinking is that manners are about respect. Mm. And if you want a child to learn respect, they have to be treated with respect. So, you know, um, the way that I look at it is, Children will emulate your behavior. Mm. They will imitate you. We all know this, mm. right? What very few people know is that they will only imitate your behavior if they have a good relationship with you. So this is why, you know, when, when we talk about children emulating behavior, then people say, oh, but I'm exactly the opposite of my parents. You know, I did the opposite. Why is that? That's because the relationship was broken. Mm. And the relationship gets broken by spankings and being sent to the corner and being shamed and being rejected. That breaks down the very relationship that would have the children emulate you. So you actually, you shoot yourself in the foot because you're trying to get them to do what you want them to do, which is what you're doing, hopefully. Um, Hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) And and then you break the relationship and then they don't want to be like you. Ah. Oh. You see that that puts you in a tight spot and then and then then the cycle continues, right? Yeah. They're not listening. And you continue with the really harsh punishment, and it's over and over and over again. Sharma's back. Sharma in Durban. Sharma, good evening. Good evening, Lady. How are you doing? Thank you for the lovely show. Thank you for calling. And 
Yeah, thank you. And good greeting you guys. Uh, just a quick one on respect uh, with children. I have three grandchildren, mm. and uh, as often as you see them, because some are in another town, and uh, they don't just greet people. They greet you. They say, supposing if they greet me, this is a very important thing to know and to note. They don't say hello. They say hello, granddad, mm. hello, grandma, mm. hello, tata, hello, ma. They have that respect, not only in greeting and calling the name. I think your previous guest even mentioned that. I think it's very important that you call the people by their names, greet them and call them by the name auntie, uncle, or whatever the case is, because hello is too rude. And a lot of people I've seen around just say hello and there is it. You know, I mm. don't think that's, that's a good form of respect for kids. So just to put in a bit of that. Yeah, okay. Well, and you see, this is the thing. It's different for all cultures. And I think that's quite similar to the way I was raised as well. Yes. Mm. <laughs> I remember when I grew up, Sharma, if I walked into the room and there were elders in the room and I said, I said, just hello, my grandmother would respond, who are you greeting? Are you greeting a bunch of monkeys? Who are we? And continue the same tradition because when my kids met my... My father, their granddad, they never said hello to it. Yeah. Hello, grandfather, or, or something like that. You know, I think we need to endorse that respect. Uh, even if I was just back from Canada and trip to America and Canada and the States and all this stuff, even if we as elderly people can greet a guy at the washroom or greet a guy in the bus or greet a guy on the train or the plane, a guy don't even know, just say hello to him or hi there. I think it does so much good for everybody, you know. Mm. It kind of breaks that, that, uh, that kind of feeling where I don't know the guy kind of thing. And I think we see the letters. So even the adults as well, they have that respect for each other and just continue the way. Yeah, so true, Shama. Yeah. Thanks for calling. Ubuntu. Okay. Thank you, man. Bye. Good night. Well. Thanks for calling. Okay, so we need, to, we need to just go through some of the things that we need to make sure we're doing with our kids. Little things like mom is an hour late to come pick the child up from school. And she doesn't even say, sorry, the poor thing has been sitting in the sun. Yes. She's tired. And you don't even say sorry. And then when she does something wrong, you say, say sorry, but she's never seen you apologize for anything. That's it. I mean, that's where, you know, we have to model that for Mm. them. For Mm. them and to them, not just to other people. Mm. Um, And I think that really is the most important thing. You know, we can, of course, we can remind children to say please and thank you and things like that. But honestly, we all forget sometimes. So I think so often we hold children up to a higher standard of behavior than ourselves. Mm. Uh, You know, we'll scold them and shame them for forgetting to say thank you. And then we do the very same thing. (laughs) (laughs) You know, nobody's scolding us for that. Mm. So I think being gentle in your approach, being consistent in your approach, um, as long as you are modeling it and you have a good relationship with them and then um, they're seeing that across different environments and then actually having the discussions around it. So when you are sitting around the dinner table, you know, give them information. Yeah. People feel respected when you use their name, when you say hello. You know, that's a piece of information that you're giving them. So they want an instruction. Yeah. That's it. There's a big difference between barking an instruction at someone like, say hello, grandfather, mm. <laughs> uh, compared to, you know, your grandfather feels much more respected when you use his name. Mm. Then, then they can think about that. Oh, okay. So that's going to make grandfather feel nice, you know. Wow. And and hopefully there's respect between them and grandpa, and they want to do that. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the equivalent of my grandmother saying you're not greeting a bunch of monkeys because the last <laughs> thing you wanted was to make your parents feel like they're monkeys. Um, we these so listen, listen to this. My um my my two year old 
is a pathological nose picker. To top it off, she's learning to use the potty and she's constantly talking about pee and poop. All told, she presents a pretty gross package. Is there anything I can do? <laughs> That's actually all quite age-appropriate behavior. Yeah. You know, all little children pick their nose. In fact, all adults pick their nose as well. Let's just be When honest. no one's picking yeah. it. <laughs> yes. yeah. So we learn to do it in private. And it's one of those things you say to the child, it's okay to pick your nose, but that is something that you do in the bathroom or in your bedroom when mm. there aren't other people around, or have a tissue handy. Yeah. You know, so again, we're giving information rather than shaming the child. Mm. Talking about poo and pee and stuff at, at that age is absolutely normal. Shame, they don't know. They don't know that, like, poop isn't, <laughs> you know, universally accepted. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, that's part of their bodies, and it's a natural process that's happening. So it is actually quite natural to be talking about that. And it's only us with our weird adult rules that we shouldn't be talking about it. But when, we, when, we, when we're dealing with an eight-year-old, that's, that's a different thing. So how do you deal with, with that kind of situation if we are dealing with an older child? Well, with an older child, again, give information. Yeah. It isn't considered as polite to talk about poo in public. You know, that's giving information. They may just be having fun and mm. not have even realized it. You know, I think we jump in to scold them when we haven't actually considered where they're at in their own headspace. I mean, even at eight, you know, toilet humor is quite appropriate. Right, <laughs> it's actually the best humor at that age. Yes. Okay, so let's, let's see some of the SMSs. Um, there's one here that says, I'm pro-spanking. I'll send my children to their room. When I've calmed down, I'll go to their room. We'll discuss what they have done wrong. Once they understand, I would spank them. Wow. <laughs> you talk before you spank them. Never with a cane, but a, a larger, flatter thing. Hmm. They would say sorry, and we pray for forgiveness. My child would hug and kiss me lovingly before we'd leave the room. A spank is painful, but that does not last Um but it is rememberable. So memorable. He says rememberable. Um, if the child is, is, is punished by taking something away, then every time they can't do it, they, they, they could build resentment against you. I was actually reading a research study that was done recently um, where they studied children who had been spanked. And in situations like that, where um, not spanking, you know, the parents lost control and they're mm. beating the child, but spankings, like you've done something wrong, go to your room, I'm going to come and give you a smack. Um, and they were studying these these a group of people and looking at their brains compared to people who had never been spanked. And it actually damages part of the brain that deals with emotional regulation. So as much as... How? Well, give me an example of how it works in your adulthood and how it becomes... Well, how it would work in your adulthood then is you may believe spanking is okay. You're actually damaged in that emotional part of your brain. You have less emotional regulation. It actually makes you less able to control your own behavior Mm. um, later on. So you need external regulation then. Mm. Um, compared to being able to do it from within. So EQ. that's Yes. Right. So that's been shown now in research studies that it is actually damaging. And, you know, when I look at it with parents, the, the way I consider it is, you know, if you did something that your husband didn't approve of and he gave you a spanking, would that be okay? Yeah. I mean, we consider that to be domestic abuse, and you are allowed to report that to the police. Mm. But somehow with the most vulnerable people in our society, that's still considered okay. Mm. 
I would question it yeah, myself. That's, that's, that's something to think about. There's an SMS here. Hi there. I was brought up to be polite to all and especially to those older than myself and to be respectful. Treat other people as you would want to be treated. Um, that's what we were taught. Yeah, that's, that, that's true. So let's go down, you know, some of the things that parents need to check, check off. And maybe there's different approaches that we can use at different ages, perhaps. Um, I, I think the approach is very much the same over the ages. You know, um, at all ages, we're going to first understand a child's feeling. If they've done something that we consider to be wrong, try to consider it from their point of view first. Mm, you know, it's mm. very seldom we get into the mind of a two-year-old or the mind of an eight-year-old and consider what they're going through yeah. um, before we react to that. So first to consider where they're coming from. Give them an opportunity to share information with us. Mm. You know, mm. actually, Mom, I wasn't being rude or, you know what, that person was so nasty to me yesterday, I don't want to say hello to them. And there may be a deeper story. And sometimes if we don't jump in to scold them, we can get a deeper understanding of our children and their world and what they're going through. And sometimes it can even alert us to problems. You know, if a child who is generally polite suddenly is impolite, um, we've got to be aware that there may be something else going on below the surface. Mm. Um, So I think, you know, just keeping an eye on the kids Again, modeling the correct behavior. If you're going to correct them, you do it in private, not in front of everyone because, again, that's shaming. So you do it in private. Later on, you say to them, again, information. It's considered polite to say hello to someone when you enter a room. Hmm. Okay, so I noticed you didn't do that. What happened? You know, so just giving them that information. And it may be over and over again that you need to do it. You know, Hmm. children take time to learn something. We are not born knowing manners. True. You know, manners are a societal um, imposition, really. You mm. know, it's, it's something that we've added to how we live. It's not a natural way of living. It's something we've added so that we can get on in larger and larger societies. Coexist, yeah. Yes. And as we were saying, I mean, it's different across different cultures and different societies. So it's not something you can be born knowing. You mm. have to learn it from the people around you. So we need to be gentle with the children as they're learning that. And I suppose if you're looking at different ages, you can understand even at, at, when they become teenagers, there's a bit of a rebellion to those things. Well, why must I say fine thanks and you? I'm not fine. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> so why you must said I not to lie, Mom. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so they start to question some of those societal norms, which, again, is age-appropriate. Mm. Um, and... I mean, I was reading a thing the other day about about depression, and they were talking about working with Russian refugees, and they would ask them, how are you? And they said they couldn't get into this thing of saying, fine, thanks, and you. They just couldn't get it. They're like, who is fine? Yeah. Yeah. Who is fine? Nobody is fine, <laughs> right? Yeah. So they thought we were crazy. Um, to answer that. So it's actually a good thing for children to question those things and then to explore the answers and even explore how do people react to you Mm. when you don't do that. And from that, they learn to internalize those rules as something that actually makes sense and helps them to get on with people in society. Yeah, I think it's easier with with some of the, the South African languages because when you 
would you ask someone how are you in Swana? The question you're asking is where are you, not how are you. Yes. And the response is, well, I'm right here. You know, I'm around. I'm good. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's, in Zulu, it's um, yeah. How are you when you say I'm I'm here? You know, you don't have to say I'm fine. It's interesting now. Yes. But let's let's just quickly talk about how people can get help because parents as well. We think we can do everything, and then when we're struggling to get the manners right with the kids. We, we're scared to say, oh, I'm doing something wrong, when in fact we should be asking for help. So how can you assist? Well, you know, what I do is I work with parents, helping them to see how their own behavior is impacting how their children are being raised. Mm. So sometimes that is their own limiting beliefs or um, their own fears or some of their unresolved stuff from their own childhood, and they start projecting that onto their children. Mm. So I work with them on that. I don't work with the children specifically, but with the parents to help them to adjust things in the family system that may be affecting the way the children are are being raised or how, how their behavior is showing. Yeah, so give us an email address so we can get in touch with you then for parents. Yes, certainly. My email is mia at mia at transformationalparenting.guru. Very easy. Mia at transformationalparenting.guru. Mia, it's always such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Great stuff. Thank you to, for, to our callers and our SMSs as well for sharing in your contributions. We're going to continue. You're still on the talk shop on SFM.